You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to episode number 33 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. If you like the podcast, remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Or just tell your friends. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Rory O'Malley here. Thank you so much for listening. I have a wonderful guest this week. My very, very good friend, Danny Bernardi, who is appearing as Professor Henry Higgins, currently at the Olney Theater in Maryland. He is an awesome, awesome guy. I've known him since first week of freshman year, as we talk about in this story uh, of me with my bad fashion choices freshman year that I've continued on in, in my life. Things haven't really changed much for me in that department, but luckily... I still have a friend in Danny Bernardi. He has uh, always been there for me, and um, we've not always been on the same coast. I've been in Los Angeles. He's been in New York and uh, back and forth, but he's one of those people who will always be a part of my life and who's always kept me grounded in who I am in this business and who I started out being in this business. Um And I think that's so important. He's that marker for me. Uh, As so many other people from college and from that time, when I showed up to a place to study what I loved, a lot of those people knew me when I showed up and said, this is why I want to do this. And it's helpful to have them keep me within those boundaries and the rails and remind me uh, who I am. Danny's that kind of a guy, and I'm really proud of him. He has done an amazing job of making a career in regional theater, and with his theater company, One Year Lease, they've done some wonderful productions in New York City. And uh, he's just he's he's living life to the fullest as an actor. He's always traveling. He's always going somewhere. Um, I really look up to him. I'm so thrilled to get to share his story with all of you. Please take a listen to my conversation with Danny Bernardi. Hi, Danny. Thanks for talking with me. Yeah. You're on on Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Are you so happy? I am. I'm happy just to talk to you, Rory. I know. It, it, know it's that. bad. That's that's what the sad part is. Is that I think I just started a podcast so I could call my friends 
and <laughs> talk to them for a full hour. You know, you got to carve out that time. You do. And, uh, yeah. It gets harder and so. harder. And then we've, we've known each other since freshman year of college. Oh, at Carnegie God, Mellon. a mere four years ago. Yes, I can't believe. Just, just, just senior years we are now. Recent graduates. <laughs> um, so, but, oh, but we met you, we come from different parts of the country, but yeah. um, we became friends pretty quickly. And I, you always say you remember me as the guy in the corduroy shorts. Shorts, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I love when you bring bus. up. Oh yeah, you love it when I bring that up. <laughs> but yeah, that was right. My first memories of us on the back of that bus, we were going to the south side in Pittsburgh for some kind of a freshman outing. Like in the first week of school, I don't even think the dramats had really the drama no. students had really met right, so much. Because it was orientation and you are like Mr. School Spirit. And so you were already like leading the charge for everyone to be Carnegie Mellon Tartans. Go Tartans. Which is our, our, our mascot, our Tartans. Like, our what tartans, is that? Yeah. It's, it's a textile. It's a cloth. It's a That's cloth. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's what, a cloth. now this is crazy. Why is our... No, but I mean, or it's men in skirts, I suppose. That's an idea, well, too. Well, I guess that's why we went to Carnegie Mellon. <laughs> um, so, so you... <laughs> so, yeah, so that was right. So it, it all started there at the back of that bus, and you were wearing corduroy shorts. Right. But I didn't talk to you about that then. We just... You were just really nice, and yeah. we were nice to each other, and yeah. we became friends pretty much straight off the bat. Yes. Uh, and then later, I called you out on the shorts. Oh, yeah. And for many, many years later. Um, but you came from San Diego and uh, you you did theater in the children's theater there. And, and, and you went you went to a where else? Did, isn't there like a famous yeah. children's theater there or the performing arts high schools where you went as well? Right. Yeah, that's right. No, I mean, like straight off the bat, my mom um, put me into uh, a performing arts like school that that started at preschool in kindergarten like it was a it was an art school for eight-year-olds and so I started like doing ballet and and tapping little things on the xylophone as like a little eight-year-old but I was scared to death of getting on the stage at that point and then on through um high school I went to the San Diego School for Creative and Performing Arts and then um uh, a lot of um a lot of my growing up really happened at San Diego Junior Theater, which okay. you mentioned the Children's Theater. That's uh, the oldest theater, uh, kids theater in the country. It's right in right. Balboa Park. Right. And yeah. I, I've, I've never seen anything that they've done. But when I was there at the Old Globe doing um, Comedy of Airs two years ago, it was like the biggest deal, you know, that everyone was showing mm-hmm. up for what they were doing that summer. And clearly they've inspired a lot of kids yeah, it's it's amazing. It, they they have an, an, an you know, and it's it's such an incredible organization um, for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that's truly outstanding about it is that the um, kind of the rules that we have to abide by and and you know under equity contracts and whatever our bylaws are, they get you started like as an eight year old <laughs> when right. you when you go and you sign in. You, there's the, 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 you know, 13 year old stage manager boss is sitting there with like a red pen. And if you're late, he, you know, you get a check mark under your name and, uh, you know, you all have to wear black backstage and all the rules are instilled at a very young age. So, right. um, it's cool. 
very cool place. And, and San Diego itself is such a great theater town. Right. I mean, I mean, I would love to work there. <laughs> you right. know, like I would, I feel like I've been, I feel like you have to move East to work West, you know, in terms of, in terms of theater, you know, like sure. to work at the bigger places, the globe or the playhouse. Um, but as a kid uh, or as a teenager, you know, I worked at a theater called the starlight bowl. Um, oh, which yes. I think right now is defunct, but it's famous. Oh, you've famous. heard of it. Yeah. Well, from you and the story of, <laughs> of what, what the happens there is my favorite yeah. theater uh, tradition that I've never been a part of <laughs> Yeah, because it's outdoors. That's right. And what yeah, happens it's a giant every, bowl. and it's by the airport. That's right. Yeah. So the, the exactly back when that when the park was built for the Panama expedition or whatever it was back in 1915, there wasn't exactly a lot of air traffic. Well, the city grew up around Balboa Park and this theater was there and the outdoors and and then pretty soon over the years there were 737 757s flying over. So, how does a an outdoors summer stock theater cope with the noise intrusion. Well, we had a system of lights that were placed above the conductor's head. And as uh, a plane approached, the stage manager's job would be to flip on the yellow light as a warning, followed by a red light, at which point all the action on the stage stops. And you freeze. Freeze. That's right. And and wait, so the audience doesn't see the lights. They just all of a sudden, you guys freeze. Yeah. Yeah, it it coincides with like the 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 apex of the the roar of the engines above oh, you because these these God. planes are flying like, you know, just a couple hundred feet above your head. Oh and then God. the green light comes and and you continue. Yeah. I'll never get over that. And I'll never <laughs> get over the fact that I I was not able to witness it. Like if that was if they were still around, I would do everything I could to be there on a night when a plane goes over. Were the planes going over every single show? Every single oh, show. And on Sunday nights when everybody's God. coming home from the long weekends, there's more air traffic. So, so it, it happened multiple ridiculous. times a show? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, multiple times. My God. It got to be a bit of a nuisance, believe it or not. Yeah. Of course. Can you imagine? Of course. Like, I, <laughs> like you're in a dramatic moment of the show. Like, <laughs> like Tony and Maria... Tony's dead, Maria's monologue, and they're like, please hold, and they're frozen. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, what? That's right, I know. I, I just can't get over that that is, but but it's also like, to me, it's beautiful, because it's like, yeah. people want to, people will stick with you in the story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We always yeah, are like, that's right. how, how do we get people to come along with us on this journey of the story? Well, if, if San Diego will show up to see theater with planes flying over and pausing every every 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I mean, that's just a testament to everybody wants to be told a good story and will hang in there. Yeah. 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 For the most part. For the most for part. The most part. I, I mean, I guess it's not around those, anymore. So yeah, that's, when, <laughs> you know, I think after a while, there's some of the sometimes when it's like I said, the the when the traffic's really crazy on a Sunday night, uh, I think even the audience started to get a little antsy. Okay. Yeah. The novelty's worn off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, we did. Um, that was a really fun place to work as a, as a, you know, late teenager. I right. worked a bunch there. And then you went to performing arts high school. So you were immersed in it. Oh yeah. Throughout your high school. Years. Oh yeah. 
I uh, I was I was in our production of Dreamgirls. Oh. <laughs> uh, Wait, what were the, you oh, in yeah. Dreamgirls? You didn't know? Oh, yeah, I played Marty. I played Danny Glover's role. Didn't you know that? I didn't. <laughs> uh, I we did colorblind casting from the beginning. That's right. Colorblind casting. How progressive. The opposite direction. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, wow. That's right. Um, and uh, I, Well, that's amazing. I mean, I yeah. just assumed you played Dave of Dave and Sweethearts, my, my little role. Yes. Yes. Well, nope. No? No, that's great. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You did you do a lot of plays in high school there? Yeah, well, you know, I guess it was mainly musicals. I did a lot of musical theater in high school as I guess a lot of people do. Um did we were fortunate, you know, it was the performing arts the public performing arts high school. So there was a budget um you know and and we got access to like amazing sets. We had the um, the touring set for uh, for a production of Sweeney Todd that we got to use and so, I mean, like as a 17 year old, I'm getting, I played Judge Turpin in that one, and, you know, oh. my, you know, I got to slide down the thing and yeah. you know, get my, my, you know, my neck cut and all that yeah. in high school. Like that's pretty, the villain. pretty awesome to be able to do that then, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. So, so you had a yeah. great, you had a great experience in high school. Yeah. With that. And, I and, and yeah. you said like, I want to keep pursuing this full time and you decided to go to Carnegie Mellon you you did you audition for a bunch of different schools and that was like the only thing you were going to do or was it like you know like that that decision especially after going to a performing arts high school to go to a conservatory it's pretty it's a pretty big one you know like did a lot of your other yeah. classmates go from high school go to conservatory type training or no you know i guess i don't think a lot of us did yeah i think i think some of us did, but I don't, you know, I don't know a whole lot of people who actually ended up going into conservatory. Right. Um, I, I cast the net kind of wide. I mean, I applied to like eight or cause I loved academics too in school. So I, I mean, I, I was interested in kind of seeing where the cards fell and it's kind of like, right. you know, see how this all goes. Um, and you know, I, so I did like half and half between like conservatories and then liberal arts schools and uh and carnegie mellon worked out and it just seemed like i had to do it and i was pretty laser focused yeah on on um uh you know performing arts at that point you know you know as an 18 year old i i was like that's absolutely there was no question for me. No, no question. You don't think about, oh, well, what, what is this decision? And, you know, exactly. Yeah. You're just like, well, of course I'm going to do this. You know? Right. Right. So it's so, more, it's more like you wanted to do it. It was something you wanted to do and you weren't sure, you know, the right way to do it in college. But when Carnegie Mellon is like, yes, come to us. You're like, okay, great. This is you'll show me how clearly yep. what I'm going to do. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's similar to me. I just, um, yeah. I, but I was coming from, you know, an all boys Catholic high school where uh, I, oh, you know, St. Ignatius, yeah, Saint Ignatius right. which, you know, I could talk about for a long time. My, my love no. for my, yeah, you're shocked. No way. You're shocked. I would love that actually. <laughs> all your stories are good from St. Ignatius. Yes. But anyway. But they didn't have, you know, we had uh, a drama program, but it wasn't everything it wasn't a performing arts high school you know what i mean so for, for yeah. me it make it made a lot of sense wasn't it all to, boys too like didn't you guys have to like partner up with the girls yeah. all girls school to put on musicals we didn't stuff? we didn't partner up with schools it was open to any girl who wanted to audition 
So we, we didn't, oh. we didn't like, you know, say like, we're just going to be with this school because we were downtown. So it was kind of like, there wasn't a, a local, a, a girls, all girls school that was really close to us. Um, mm-hmm. But a bunch of the different, all I did a bunch of plays at the all girls school and mm-hmm. a bunch of the girls who were in our shows were from the all girls schools or public schools. And we had a, we had good plays. We had a, a great program, but it wasn't a performing arts high school you know what i mean which i I think if you're you're immersed in it all the time and you know i think that like after carnegie mellon after we were immersed in it for four years which i'm sure is a lot more than high school was it's i didn't want to take a class for years for years i was like i don't i don't want anyone to tell me how to act for a while because (laughs) i can't deal with it you know like i needed to just be for work or fun you know yeah oh my god yeah yeah i mean what was so we we met freshman year and we we were uh, you know with each other throughout that whole four years of you know the the crazy highs and the crazy lows which is it's a it's not an easy experience going to a four-year conservatory for acting and um you have to have friends you have to have people who kind of help you get through it and i certainly think of you as someone who you're one of the reasons i survived it and yeah ditto you know ditto. It, sound, it sounds dark i loved my experience there but yeah yeah it's really challenging yeah and also the angst of being that age at yes. that at that place far away from home in the situation you know i mean it's it's all of the things i mean yeah it, it can sound dark, but it. I mean, it's also it's also just that time in life. Right. I think when everything's just the stakes seem so huge, and they are to you at that point. Right. You, you know, it, there's there's not as much there's not as many years of perspective to sort of put a spin on things. You know. Right. And you you think you're in like this bubble of the yeah. most talented people you've ever met, and you think this is the center of the acting entertainment universe in Pittsburgh, yeah. Pennsylvania. Absolutely. You know, and like yeah. the world doesn't get bigger than that group of people that you're with. And um thank God it does, but also thank God we've been able to get th- get each other through those 4 years and then also the aftermath of getting out of college, which if we yeah. thought college was hard, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you get absolutely. out, you're like, oh, yeah, sure. That sure. was the easy yeah. part, you know, yeah. having a place to show up to every day and be told what to do. But yeah. your, your four years, what, what did you feel about your four years at Carnegie Mellon and, and being a part well, of Well, you know, y- you, um, first of all, like you really talk about friends that get you through, like you, you, you're like from beginning to end for Ari O'Malley. Um, because you know, like the, the way I feel about it, it was, it was very, it was tough. It was yeah. tough in a lot of ways. Um, you know, there's your, you, uh, first of all, I'm, you know, uh, you know, what am I I'm like 18 at that point going on 19, you know, and, um, but I, it's, it was such a time of, you know, self discovery in terms of just like becoming a, a, young human person. Right. Um, and, uh, and then also understanding oneself as, as a, an artist or a person who wants to become a professional 
actor, you know, understanding what that is and nary the two shall meet, you know, right. like um, I something that is intrinsic to me is that like I I whereas our world at the Purnell Center, at least that first year was I think we're at Margaret Morrison, um, uh, you know, I like to get out. So I would jump on the I was so excited to be in Pittsburgh. So I would yeah. I would travel all over the you city. You were so excited to be in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I was. And I people would like stick together and I'd be on the 61C journaling at, yeah. in that little triangle where the three rivers come together right. down there downtown. You know, I'd like, I'm going to go journal, you know, right. it's fall. Look, the leaves are changing. And, and like, um, that, I'm still very much like that. And, uh, I didn't understand that that was, um, it, that it was kind of apart from our little, our little group. Like, right. so I inadvertently kind of alienated myself a bit, at least when I look back, uh -huh. And that made my first year uh, at college just a little bit more difficult because I think I was just – I felt a little bit outside because I was interested in um, uh, you know, meeting people from other departments and other majors. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like our uh, – on the whole, it, it could be said that us are uh, the dramats, as we were called, right. would kind of stick together for the most part. Right. No. And, I mean um, that's – it, it, that's kind of sad because, you know, like you're like, I kind of uh, separated myself from from the dramats by being open to the college experience and the city that I was being put in. And I completely I know exactly what you're talking about. You were happy to be in Pittsburgh. I was two hours away from home. You were right. six hour plane ride from home. You know, yeah, right, I, it, right, right, right. it was, and for a lot of us, you know, Pittsburgh wasn't this destination that was new and exciting, but for you, it was. <laughs> yeah, and, it was the East Coast to me. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to the East Coast. Oh, right. Oh. Didn't didn't get all the way there. Um, but <laughs> right. yeah, you, I, I remember you having a different experience. And that's why I say, you know, I joke that you had school spirit, but it's because a lot of us showed up to the drama school and you showed up to Carnegie Mellon University, you know? Right, right, and right, I right, think right, that, right. I know that that might've made you feel alienated, but um, I also think that you had a better experience at college because you didn't just go to be in the one department, you know? You were in, you went on to like run orientation Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, the sophomore year, I volunteered. Yeah, I was real gung ho about that, and you know, um, about uh, yeah. I was. You know what? I just I I like. I'm you. I'm generally like pretty proud to be associated with. Especially back then, I was real, real excited about you know the tartans and you know school spirit and all that. Right. I love the idea of it. So there's probably a a piece of me that was that kind of need that needed that liberal arts or not liberal arts, but bigger school fix, you know? Right. Um, but that, you know, that faded, you know, once freshman year was over, they kind of kicked that out of me and I, <laughs> and I settled into the sophomore year, uh, you know, you know, more focused kind of, um, uh, slump depression. Style. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. broke you I was down track with all that. Yep. They did. They sure did. And I think I think the best thing I did in college actually was get away when I did my study abroad. That's right. when because 
um, in San Diego at this at the school for performing arts, I, we didn't have a hardcore acting technique program. It was just kind of like uh, we we did, but I didn't take those courses. I was focused on dance and music and um, and less on the acting classes. So um, I was learning everything really there. Um, right. I learned everything at Carnegie Mellon, and so it was good to get away from Carnegie Mellon and learn from the Russians. So that's what I did. I went to Moscow and, uh, or Moscow, depending on whose class you're in (laughs) the time. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So So you went, you went and you studied Chekhov and, and Russian theater. What, what was that like? Did you, it it was amazing. I mean, well, go ahead. No, I'm just, I I mean, was it it life changing or was it just like a challenge? The best thing I did at Carnegie Mellon was, 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 was leave Carnegie Mellon. (laughs) Was leave Carnegie Mellon. No, 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 no. No, that sounds, uh, that sounds uh, like bitter or something. It's actually, what I mean by that is in order to contextualize what I'd learned freshman and sophomore year, I had to get away from it. I was inside, like I was too deep in the forest to see the trees. So I needed to go away and get a lot, a lot of the same um, techniques, Stanislavski-based stuff, uh, Michael Chekhov, and um, and then uh, y- you know, and, and learn it from somebody else through an interpreter. Right. Um, and then it sort of put a different angle on the things that I'd learned in, in at Carnegie, and made it more. Uh, it paid more dividends that way. I understood right. it better. You know. Right. So or, or, yeah. That and I think time, you know, the time for it to sink in and all. So yeah, no, I mean, I, then, I I think that one if I have one regret about my time at Carnegie Mellon is that I didn't go study abroad, because you know, one it, I think for those reasons, but also just to be able to see the world or a different part of the world for oh a semester God. is a once in a lifetime opportunity when you don't have to. You know, when you're when you're young and you can experience something, I think it gives you a perspective, not just on who you are as an actor or being creative, but to be able to just be a, a more a more worldly person. Yeah, yeah. Wow. My, you know. Yep. Moscow is 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 a trip. That was um, that yeah. was a really cool place to do it because I think Carnegie will only let you do. At the time, they would only let you go to London, uh, to uh, and to Sydney, and then also to the Moscow Art Theater, right? And Moscow, so it was a three. And I wanted to go to the non-anglophonic one and really be immersed in something totally right. different. And that it was. So yeah. yeah, I'm glad I did it. We like we studied in Stanislavski's house, like where he was under house arrest. Like that's where our acting class was, you wow. know. And you know, I was with Ben Peltison, right? You know, anyway, not to digress, another one of our classmates. It was fun. That's right. Yeah, no, I, so, I mean, I think uh, Josh Gad went to Australia. And oh, that's right. Oh, I forgot he went there. Yvonne, one of our other classmates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I stayed because I think, I can't remember what my reasoning was, but I think it was so that I could do the musical. Um, <laughs> Probably. You know. Or is which, it? Well, maybe it was fire codes in, in, in Russia. They weren't up to par. No, no. Now, see, Danny is the one who gave me the nickname Grandma in college because <laughs> I have a lot of concern about fire safety and being safe. And and the, the yeah. because when we lived together, I guess I was concerned about 
those things. Uh, although it's probably because I lived there in that place for three years, which was condemned after we moved out. <laughs> and our, our apartment was was really, really not in good condition. Um, but yeah, you gave me That's the nickname right. Grandma. You had good sense. You had foresight. Yeah. You're wise like a grandmother. It's true. Grandma. Okay. Well. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> so so we graduate Carnegie Mellon yeah. uh, after four years, and we go out into the real world. And, uh, you know, that hits you like a ton of bricks. And, and you, had, yeah. you had wonderful experience and were able to move to New York City. I remember, like, just hearing about what an actual – <laughs> good experience of of when you when when we when you leave school at Carnegie Mellon you go and you have showcases on the west coast and the east coast and we did and i had literally no response whatsoever like i had one person oh, and you know like a lot of people oh, in our class did really it. well you know and i think yeah, that right. it was it was um it was people like you who were having a good experience that kept me, kept my head up. You know, like if mm-hmm, you had, mm-hmm. if you had treated me in a different way or like been like, well, sorry, bud. You know, I think that, you know, you and Josh, who both had great responses, you really kind of got me through that period of time. And I'm just yeah. grateful for it. But that, but I can't I remember that. that. What I always think about is that. I had a hard time because I had no response and had no one to meet with, right? Yeah. But I can't imagine being 22 and having a lot of people to meet with and having a lot of decisions to make without any real idea of what the business is and how overwhelming mm-hmm. that would feel. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that was that time exciting or overwhelming and how did you choose New York because you ended up going to New York City? Yeah. Um, God, you know, it's, that's a, a wild, wild time, isn't it? You know, and just stressful and emotionally just, just uh, manic. Yeah. But, um, it, it is, it has to be said, you know, it, it, it's crazy to look back on that now, Rory O'Malley at the showcase situation. I mean, it, that is like, gorgeous poetic justice right i mean it's just beautiful the way things have worked out for you you know and and it's just it's it's so it's such a wonderful testament to um you never know and it doesn't mean anything and it should serve as an inspiration to uh anyone who puts all of their eggs in the basket that is showcase you know right right which is you know yeah which is what we're pretty much like for four years told that showcase mm -hmm. is the most Everything. important part Everything. of our education, not, not of the education, but like the payoff of, mm-hmm. of going there is that we're going to be well connected with people when you're done. And, you know, in many ways that is true, but it's not because of one, one performance at a showcase. Um, you know, many of, I'm, many of you had all these appointments and people that wanted to meet with you and I had no one. I had zero people. I remember, I had, you know, and in New York, especially in LA, I had one, one, one manager who wanted to work with me, which is why I ended up moving to LA without ever thinking that I would do that is because only one person 
on both coasts said that they would potentially work with me. Oh, right. No. Yes. So, you know, yes, it was it was a definitely a scary time, but the reason that I was able to get through it is because of you, Josh, Gad, mm-hmm. Katie Mixon, Leslie yeah, Odom, yeah. people who were able to um have have responses and kind of you know, support me through a time that was definitely really scary. But I also like, I saw how much stress it was to have that kind of a response, you know, to have the, the auditions right away. I don't think I had a TV audition or an audition for a Broadway show in my first year out of school. Right. So I wasn't like immediately thrust into the craziness of our industry, but you were, you know, like I think I, you had to deal yeah, with a lot right off the bat. I wasn't, I, in many ways, was not ready for that kind of level of um, exposure uh, in some ways. How could you be, you know, like, right. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's, it, you just kind of jump in, right? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I was, I found that time at Showcase to be super exciting and fun to be going to different offices and meeting with different agencies and, and, uh, casting directors who are having generals and, and that kind of thing. Um, that at that point, you know, a super, it was easy enough to just ride the wave, right. you know, that the whole thing was like, yeah, of course this is happening. Like this feels great. Um, and then, you know, when you make the decision and sign with somebody and, and how did I cho- choose? I, I think what I said at the time was, I think I, I said, I think I'd like to have my vegetables before dessert is what I would say <laughs> about New York versus Los Angeles. I think really it was just three, <laughs> just like, I just know theater better right. and, um, and wanted, want, wanted to work in theater cause it's, you know, home for me. And, uh. So uh, I think that's how I arrived at that. But um, signing with that with my first agent, you know, I remember being very timid off the bat. Like, like my agent at the time had to tell me uh, I would walk into the lobby of the office, and it's a you know you know it's a big agency, and I and I uh, you know I, just, I was going in for routine back then. Back then, they printed out your sides for you. Right. You picked up the script in the office. Your appointment information was printed on nice letterhead. Nothing was done over email. It was all phone. Can you believe that? That's, oh, God, this is really showing I mean, that's crazy, right? No, it's crazy. It wasn't that long ago, but oh, my God, well. it was at the same time. Um, so, but like, I remember my agent having to tell me, you know, Danny, um, you're a client. You can walk into the office. You know, I'd be calling. Uh, I would use the house phone, like from the lobby to call back and say, hey, I'm here. And he's like, you're a client. You can just walk in, you know, like I had to, you know, I had to, I was very shy at the time. They felt big. And, um, but I had, um, a wonderful experience with them and and they got me, uh, they got me a lot of interest. I met a lot of people in the industry and very grateful for those years that were difficult because I, I was intimidated by a large agency, even though we all know and are all told you know, they work for you. You don't work for them. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but let's talk about the market, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, the reality, you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready to take up that much space personally, you know? Right. Um, so that was difficult, but, um, but I, but I got by, you know, like I, I had a, you know, I had a really good time 
growing into that, but I had, there was a learning curve, you know, yeah. if you want to talk about coping with rejection and all of those kinds of things that happened. How do you, how do you do that? Especially right when you're getting into the business, you know? Well, there's a learning curve and one has to be, I, I think like young people that are entering at that point, this is something that needs to be addressed because I don't think it was super healthy for me at first. I would leave Ripley Greer and like I would be so hugely um, crestfallen by the way I felt after the appointment. I I hadn't even been rejected yet. I was just like – I'm not talking about all of them at all. I mean I'm talking about the ones that didn't go my way, which of course are the ones that at the time I would fixate on. You know, as opposed right. to keeping a positive frame of mind. So I would, um, I, you know, I just, I remember just becoming hugely depressed and like, and, and not knowing what to do with all of that feeling, like banging my head against the elevator wall on the way out. Maybe, not really. Or, but maybe I did once. <laughs> maybe once. <laughs> so, I, I've like, definitely done that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're so invested. So I think what happens over time is you learn to spread your eggs out, right, into different baskets in terms of where you um, mine your your joy and your life, you know, your um, so that everything your happiness isn't dependent solely on whether or not you succeed right. as an actor in every single possible instance, right. You know, you and I talked about that along the journey here. Mm-hmm. You talked, you and I talked about this, you know, years ago about the roller coaster of of the emotion of of uh, auditions and callbacks and how right. it feels. There's never a, a as an actor, I feel like the most vulnerable moment is when you leave an audition and you walk from the audition room to hmm. the subway or to your yeah. car because. Yeah. You've just put it all out there. You have yeah. to prepare as much as possible, yeah. but not prepare or care enough that it's you're, it's everything, you know. Because you, if, yeah. if it's if it's everything to you, you, then you won't do as good of a job, and they'll be able to yeah. smell it on you, and yeah. Yeah. it yeah. just it won't be good. So it's a <clears throat> it takes a long time to find the line between those between caring enough and caring too much for each individual Bingo. job and Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it's true. You're doing an impression of uh, one of our one professors, of our... Ingrid Sonicson, the great <laughs> Ingrid. Um, that's right. Uh, but one of the things I think that she, it was in, in her class, our senior year or, it might have been, I know it was a guest who came to speak to us, but I think it was through Ingrid. Um, an actor who was a working actor came and s- said that after every audition, when he leaves, he always throws the sides out immediately. And I think I brought this up on the podcast again, but it's something that has clearly stayed with me since I yeah. was 22, which was just yeah. the other day. Um, that, <laughs> that, uh, he knew that there was a moment that vulnerability of when you walk outside of an audition, which is a, it's, it's, I can't stress enough to people who are in, in the business or people who aren't when you walk, when you finish the sides, when you finish the scene, the audition, and you walk out of that room, it's not like they say that was great. 
but no, thank you, or that was great, you're hired, you walk out not knowing and not knowing when you'll find out. And you're walking out into a room, into a waiting room with all the other people who are Mm -hmm. trying to get the same job. So I've walked out, I've finished auditions and walked into closets you know, like I've been so nervous. I don't know which door to go out. And then like, I, you know, if there's a bit of a maze to get back to the waiting room, that's a nightmare because I'll just start walking around the offices and not know where to go. That's <laughs> yeah, the worst. Oh my God. Yeah. Like there's yeah. you and you're just a number in that, that day they'll see a hundred people for that same audition. So they just, you know, want the, the assembly line to keep moving and you've got to get out of there cleanly with some dignity and it's hard but this guy this this actor who came he said he always throws out the piece of paper that the sides are on that the scene the audition scene is on right in the uh audition room so that psychologically he's like this is done and i don't care about it anymore i'm letting go of it and and i can't say that i've done that a bunch but there are times where i know i need to and that I've worked really hard on it, and I've done all that I can, and I need to throw it out. Yeah. In the recycling bin. In the recycling bin, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you did, you did, you talked about this with Jason Tam. Yes. And, uh, and I remember this because he's, because I just, I was just listening to the podcast, and he mm-hmm. said that uh, he would turn them into origami swans. Right. And then set them on fire, which I just think is really funny. That's very um, Jason. You know, it's funny, but it's funny about this is that I don't remember that person that Ingrid brought in, but I happened to arrive at this very same behavior huh. on my own. I just was like, this feels good. Yeah. I think it started in a passive aggressive little bit of sure. fury. I was like, let me just, oh, you know what? I'm going to, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw these sides away. That's what I'm yeah. going to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, made me feel something. But, but as time went on, I thought, you know, and I feel that way about, you know, scripts and stuff like I'd be too precious about it. Like, yeah, you just toss it, toss it away. Let it go. Right. Move on. Yeah. Right. And um, coping. I mean, like, I don't know, like if I was really having a moment, I would go see movies. Um, I'd treat myself to whatever, some like, you know, schmackeries or like, you know, whatever. It was like try to teach yourself gently when you're, if you're waiting for a call, I just try to stay busy, you know, work, try to do some sideline work and get, you know, like just stay busy, go to the gym, work out, work out, work out, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, that's what I think for, in terms of coping and cause there's no, there's no magic formula in any of it. Right. I mean, there's no, like, there's no real thing that you can, that you know that you can it's whatever works for you, you well know? you 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 mean in terms of like you don't have control over the situation so you yeah. have to find a way to be okay with that and you have to yeah. kind of just you know and it, i think that especially for us when you go to a, a, you going to a performing arts high school then going to a conservatory you set up a a start into the business that was a ladder that was a clear ladder like i do this Mm -hmm, i do this i do this yeah and then when you get out into the real world there's no ladder there's no you know connecting the dots of 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 one step to the next it's constantly just trying to swing from one vine to the next and that's right yeah and it's 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 easy it's not easy to know where to swing to and and that and that lag time in between one vine to the next one 
It's tricky. That's right. It's, it's tricky. tricky. It's tricky. I mean, I feel like I feel like the the value of of Carnegie Mellon or being in in a, a a conservatory or a place where you really are embedded in the trenches with a group of people your age and then going out into the real world, the value of it isn't just the tools. It's so much the support system that we were given because I was in Los Angeles in our early days and you were in New York and we still had each other's back. And, you know, we were all kind of like rooming with each other on, you know, in New York and LA and going back and forth when we had to go to, yeah. you know, an audition, I would be sleeping on a couch at somebody's place in New York. I slept on your couch or air mattress in Brooklyn, I think. Oh my one God. Of my first oh, the days. Oh yeah. Remember sure. that apartment that no, you guys be. had where they could it, never afford it now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. But there was no, they were like, you guys had to build walls cause it was a loft <laughs> or something. I just remember yeah. I slept next to a big pile of lumber. That's right. Well, because because we we thought, oh well, we're look at this raw space. It's amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, there are no walls. We'll just build the walls. So, right. Whoa, that was an interesting uh, foray into uh, well, a total disaster. <laughs> right? but, um, but we did it, you know, and we each had our yeah. own room, and we didn't have any because the sheetrock is. This apartment in Brooklyn was amazing, right? It was a Where corner was apartment. It? It, it's, it was the, at the time what would be referred to as like the last stop out. Right. So, and it was like um, where East Williamsburg meets Bushwick, which now would be like pretty nor- – pretty like right. – like it's a, a place that's – you know, I what think at the time after? it was fetching like – I mean I think it was like two grand a month for this giant space. Wow. And um, – this, but the ceilings were 12 feet tall, and uh, the sheetrock was, I think, eight feet. So we didn't think that part through. We're like, oh, so we bought all the sheetrock, and we went to put it up, and we we're like, it doesn't reach the ceiling. So we had kind of these giant cubicles. <laughs> I don't know if we'd gotten <laughs> to that part in our construction when you were there, but mm, we essentially yes. lived in these cubicles. Yes, you had <laughs> so a cubicle. It was I remember the cubicles and there was just a big pile of lumber and the ice slept next to the pile of lumber. <laughs> crazy, crazy. But I think of it fondly now, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of so. course. I mean, like, there's just a, a time, th- that that period of time where you're trying to figure out how to live on top of the fact that you've been trying to figure out how to have a career and do all this stuff. Because you, we never thought about how to live when we no. were at school. You you don't think about it. It's just it's just like it's not sexy or fun. So why mm-hmm. spend any time talking about <laughs> it, right? Right. And I remember right. us having you know people from the career center at Carnegie Mellon University oh, yeah. come talk to us, and we'd all be like, okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for the pamphlet, but I think you know I'll just stick to finding acting work. You know, I don't yeah, need this. Yeah, and then exactly, you get exactly. out there and you're like, oh, man, where, I wonder if I can call those career people at Carnegie <laughs> Mellon, see if they've got any leads. on uh, Transferable skills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know, like it's it, – and, 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 and living situations. Like, sure, they, yeah. You know, we had all of, the, all of that information at our fingertips. And then – but you don't really pay attention to it until you get out there. And you – Yeah, that's right. Have the potential of being 
homeless. Um, right. right. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, so you really have found uh, a home for yourself in your career in regional theater. You have worked in so many great regional spaces, um, and you're at, you're in one right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, and you know that for me, I love I love places. I love to go places. You know that. Yes, I love to you're travel. A that's all we did was travel as kids. So right. to be able to experience places in a way that's not um, looking from the outside in, like as a tourist, um, and to be engaged on a civic level where you're, you know, you're engaging with the community um, and giving back, you know, like or you know that there's that kind of exchange is it's super uh, rewarding right. for me, you know. Um, but uh, I would also say that when I got almost pretty much straight out of school, about a year, about a year out is when I when I got my first uh, equity con- my, when I got my card, and you know I, I joined the the union on a contract at Virginia Stage Company. So it was my first job, and it was I was 23, and it was on a play. And while I, I said I was doing musicals in high school, I uh, I majored in acting in school, so right. I was focusing on. Uh, plays, television, and film, you know, coming out of school, not musicals uh-huh. as much. Um, so um, I booked this uh, this play, Vincent and Brixton, and shortly thereafter, I um, I joined a theater company um, to which I still belong, One Year right. Lease. And I think, you know, when we're talking about things that, uh, when we talk about coping with, you know, what do you, uh, rejection or the, the, the difficulty, uh, the difficulties of the nature of our industry. Like I think one year lease, um, theater company is, uh, having it as a constant and as a creative home, uh, for the past 12 years has been, uh, kind of what has gotten me through. It's the thing that's always been there. And, uh, and I've, my, the friends there that I've made our family, you know, and, uh, it goes back, you know, hooks into what you're saying about having that support network. You know, I've always got those guys and they've always, you know, they've always got me and, um, and I'm really, I absolutely love, love, love working with them. So that has, that theater company, uh, to which I belong, it has been there this entire time. And, and, um, and I've grown and been able to take risks in doing sort of edgier kind of work with them. And it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's been a gift, you know, and once again, so, travel because you guys go to Greece every year. That's right. That's I mean, right. That's, it's been a huge part of of what you do that you guys develop work and bring it to Greece and develop work there and and work with mm-hmm. the community there. You have you go to the same place every year, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, it's a hole in the heart this year. I'm absolutely like bereft that they're yeah. there right now without me. I mean, I'm doing something super super cool. So I'm so so grateful to be where I am right now, but you're playing professor um, Higgins in my fair lady. Yes. At the only theater center. Yeah. It's it's a blast. Yeah. It's like super cool. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so the, the theater company does a retreat, a creative retreat to, uh, this little village in Greece, um, that the year round population is, I think nine or 10 people. And then, (laughs) you know, swells to about, you know, 40 or 50. And then there's a, (laughs) A, a twin village, uh, about a half hour walk away, where it's the big 
it's the big village right. and uh, there's about the year round population there's around 100 and it swells to about 300 in the summer so it, it's really it's not the Greece people think of when they think of Mamma Mia and all that it's a it's a cobblestone sort of Grimm's fairy tale looking village in the really? mountains that's like about half an hour from the Albanian border and it's stunning it's in a national park and um, it's uh, there's something to be said about being surrounded by beauty and nature and uh, just and having things be so totally simple um, right. to do a creative retreat. Now, we don't need to go to Greece, but the artistic director is Greek. And um, we started by, you know, essentially staying in our house the first year. And now the program has uh, grown and we have an apprentice program and then the professional companies there as well. And now there's around 30 people that come every summer to kind of try to put it in a nutshell. And we have our own apartments and all that kind of thing. So right. it's um, uh, it's been it's a it's a really cool deal. And it, Greece, the Greece part is just stuck. You know, we're just yeah. we're we're there. You know, it's an amazing thing to do it in the place where it all began. Um, and, and we well, commission and like work literally where theater began, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's, yeah right, right. I mean, there's that part That's of it right. too, which is, just, it's yeah. gotta be, and you have been, you, it meant so much to you that you started learning Greek. You took, yeah. I remember you were taking Greek classes in New York yeah. city, which is yeah. so Danny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember my friend Greg saying to me, um, Okay, well, first of all, first of all, full confession, I said to Yanti Demos, the artistic director, I said, uh, I think the third year in, so I've gone every year, almost, with with a couple of exceptions, right. um, since 2005, and I remember like the second year I was there, I said to her, this is great, I don't need to learn your language, <laughs> everybody speaks English, like I was kind of an unabashed jerk about it, mm -hmm. and she, she'll never let me forget that, she tells everybody, because now I speak it. Right. Uh, not not totally fluently, but I, I definitely speak it better than the average bear, and I read it and I write it um, because, you know, I that same summer, I think my friend Greg said, you know, Danny, I feel like such a jerk. We come here in the summers, and these people are working so hard to use their English on us, and all I can do is order a coffee. Right. And I was like, you're right. And something kind of clicked with me, and I was like, wait, this could be fun. And I turned it in. It's like it's like my Sudoku, you know, on the train, like I'm, I'm pulling out, you know, my little Greek, learn Greek, you know, right. vocab and whatever, you know, it's a hobby for me, because I like language, you know, right. But so. I think it's, it speaks to, I think a lot of people might have that guilt about not knowing it, but not really put the effort in. I think that it speaks <laughs> to who you are, that whether you're in Greece, or Pittsburgh, you immerse yourself in the culture and it's also what makes you a great actor is because you are trying to have the different experience of humanity and the unique experience of humanity wherever you go you know i mean that you're, that's the curiosity that makes someone a good actor i think it's really important thank you that's such a nice thing to say i i appreciate that i mean um yeah i um, I was, yeah, you left me speechless. Why? Cause you said something nice to me. So that's how that goes. <laughs> it's so rare that I say something nice to you, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. You know, I have to tell you something though, Rory. Um, you know, in terms of, uh, the journey and all of that, um, I don't know how we're doing on time, but I, um, we, 
somewhere along the line, I was getting, I was getting, it was all kind of coming to a head for me. You remember this because we mm-hmm. got together at Pam's Thai. No, it wasn't Pam's Thai. It was a different Thai restaurant. One of the Thai restaurants on Ninth Avenue. One of the thousand and, Thai restaurants <laughs> on Ninth Avenue. Right, like, and uh, I was, you know, we were. It, it had been, you know, we'd gotten together, and I said, you know, Rory, I just, I've had it. Like, I just, I think I've had it. You know, it was 2010. Right. It was January of 2000 no sorry 2012 it doesn't matter i guess i'm doing this more for me than for you it was around 2012 and i said that to you and um you said to me danny you know like you said to me i'll never forget this and i tell people this a lot why don't you just let yourself be mad at the industry for a second just let you know let yourself be mad at you know just go for it be you know like be mad at it for a minute you know you know just Mm -hmm. let allow yourself to just kind of go there for a second and take a little break and whatever. And, you know, you said, you know, Danny, I know that you'd be, you'd be good at a lot of things. You're interested in a lot of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you just, like, allow yourself to just feel that for a minute and, like, do that. And I have to tell you, I took that to heart and um, I said, all right, yeah, I'm going to be mad. I'm mad. I'm going to be mad at this. And uh, screw it. I'm going to go be a 911 operator in Los Angeles or I'm going to go – work on an oil field in, in Texas. And I just started like spreading the net wide. I'm going to go work for the CIA. Well, right. obviously not anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and so, uh, then would you believe that like that was a turning point for me after you and I had that conversation? Actually, now that I think about it, it was in like the fall. And then about a month later, early winter, I was in my apartment in New York and, um, I had just kind of like decided to, to shatter the mirror here. And, um, I didn't have any representation at the time I'd left my agency and I thought, well, I, I felt sort of like not sure where to turn. And out of the blue, a call comes and it's Janet Foster, who's, um, a favorite casting director who was freelance when we first moved to New York. Right. But the call was coming from San Francisco where you are right now, actually. Full circle. And she asked me if I wanted to come in for put myself on tape for production at ACT. And I was like, what? No, I just I just decided to say no to this for a minute. Right. I'm taking a break. I'm taking my power back. So I was like, okay, all right, twist my arm. Right. And it's the first thing I've ever booked on tape. And uh, it's also the only thing I've ever booked on tape in terms of plays. Right. <laughs> you know, like sure. I still can't believe people can do that. Yeah. But um, that's beside the point. The point is, I feel like energetically something changed as a result of our conversation, you holding up the mirror to me and saying, look, look in the mirror, check this out. Think about this. Think about it this way. And I remember, I don't know if it was Ingrid who brought in that person, that same guy who told you to throw out the audition sides. But I also remember somebody saying in relation to the thing you're talking about, caring enough, but not caring too much. They kept saying, and it was so confounding to me at the time, don't care too much. Right. It they can smell it. Okay. Yeah. Those things are true, but it's frustrating to hear that as a young person going into the industry because you don't know how to turn that little thing off. Yeah. And I still can't say exactly how to do it. So I don't know how useful this is other than speaking about my own experience right. and that it can happen, something I sought. But energetically there was a change for me and, and I've worked fairly regularly ever since that point. Like almost I mean, I've almost always had a job working in the working as an actor since 
that time, right. you know, with, with some exceptions of a few months here and there, but like, uh, never as regularly as since that point. And, um, so thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Travel around the road and back, the road again. And back again. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that something I said ever made sense or <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But no, I, I, I've, I've completely been there, you know, and you've been there for me in, in that, in that situation. So sometimes it, it's, it's, important to hear something from somebody you care about a friend that you've heard a million times before and i'm glad in that instance i was there to say the right thing but i i i I say it in different ways all the time that you you have to be able to remember that you are more than just an actor and you can't have just this laser beam focus on getting the job or quote unquote booking it because Mm -hmm. Because you're gonna miss out on life, and it's also gonna like make you not very yeah. good at the audition. And yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that I've come up with the best way to find that line of caring enough, but not too much. But it's a constant struggle and a constant, you know. I think that's basically how to be an actor is is keep pursuing that, yeah. and you know caring about the art, but not having to uh, worry too much about feeding yourself as an actor. And that's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. And yeah. I don't think it ever, it ever goes away. I think that yeah. we're, we're constantly trying to figure it out. I, yeah, I do too. I think, I, I don't know about you, but it's, it helps me when I go into a room. First of all, you know that somebody said an actor prepares. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's something to be said I mean, over the years, I've learned that the more prepared I feel, the the more confident you feel when you walk in the room, period. Like, right. okay, memorize the sides, but keep the pages in your hand, if it's right. for theater at least, you know? Um, but, like, for me, like, that helps. Like, I I try to be mostly off book if I can, yeah. which is a pain when they give you 30 pages to learn. Right. Um, but uh, that helps. And then, you know, it's like any, you know, people will say it's um the the old adage about imagining everybody's in your in their underwear i mean it's like uh, that never worked for me but i i get the I, the connection it's really the same thing you know our eliza doolittle here over at the only theater center she she tells me her way she has a little she has a little mantra that involves cuss words in her mind that she she just finds a way to think of everybody as an equal collaborator on the project right. and that once you can actually on a on a heart and energetic level get to that point where you actually feel that way, like, no, I will show you who this character is, yeah, because that's what they want, right? Right. So if you have like a a, a take on it, and uh, the, I think that's that helps a lot too. No, let allow me. I will show you what this is. Right. You know, not as opposed to is this right or whatever the other thing might be. You know, right. I don't know. Those kinds of things have helped me. And isn't it project by project? Some things like click with one more than others do you know some things you connect with more you know that's true for me you know for sure yeah absolutely i mean it's it's always on a uh i've i've found that the further along i go in this industry i find more and more people who are doing it and coping with it in a way that 
is a model for me that I will want to like be like, they figured something out. Either it's an ease with it or a, a certain focus um, or, you know, uh, just uh, their attitude. And I can learn mm-hmm. from them. It's not usually like an acting style or a creative um, thing. It's about how they, how they live the dream. <laughs> hey, and I even yeah. got a ding on that one. <laughs> That's right. You did right then. You did. Let's um, go. Yeah, let's go play the lottery. <laughs> um, I I really am so so grateful that uh, I got to talk with you. I love you. Yeah, you know, I love you you're, too. Or, you're yeah. my you're one of my best friends, and you've given yeah. so much to me. And I and uh, you know we've had these conversations over the years, and I'm really appreciative that you would sit down and and uh, talk with me so that we could give it some other people and um hopefully some friends who are at a conservatory right now or just got out who are building their walls in brooklyn <laughs> or, or further Wait, out now record, that they've been recording this been oh recording this. sorry forgot to tell you um yeah no, i love you I hope so too. i'm i'm so proud of you and i'm just really grateful for all of the all that you've given to me as an actor and a friend so Ditto, 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 ditto. I hope to see you soon. Yes. And it's great talking to you. Come home to California. I will. Okay, good. I will be there soon. Good. All right, bud. Love you. All right. Talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Bye. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.